Hello, my name is Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. You can find more about us in our church at odessafirst.com. Our current series is called Church and Culture. We are focusing on the first few chapters of the book of Daniel. Many are asking, how do I live faithful to the Lord in the midst of a corrupt culture? We can live godly lives with great impact on our culture, and Daniel shows us how. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel and the book of Jeremiah. Just a reminder of those, the resources we do have for Voice of the Martyrs. Please take one of those. And also remember on the information desk is our reading plan. I think last week um, someone so graciously pointed out that I said 2021. We're in 2020, 2020 something, whatever. But we have the reading plan for 2022 out on the information desk. And we have it in two forms. You can have it uh, in the full page like we've always done. But also we've done it in the notebook form so you can grab that. And also what's added in there are some pages to help you in um, verse memorization for 2022. So I'd encourage you to grab one of those and read along with scriptures. We always do it. It's always on the calendar. We always send an email out every week of that week's Bible reading. And so uh, uh, take advantage of that. And I will also say this is really quick about Revive, is that um, I would highly encourage you even... Well, of course, we do need help and volunteers, but even just to attend. Listen, um, you know, age is just a matter of the heart. And, but however, the ministry that's going to take place, I think, is going to be very significant. And uh, if you don't know anything about Intercourt, I encourage you to search them out this week on social media. But they've been doing worship events all over West Texas for a while and have now spread into Ohio, I think, in some different areas. It's uh, just a powerful thing. And uh, Mikey, he, is the, uh, he leads the Wesley Foundation at West Texas A&M University. When Mikey was a, uh, in high school and then a college student, um, I had the privilege and to disciple him. And just to see what God is using to do was just astounding. And as I was praying about who would minister at this year's Revive, um, I just, Mikey, his, he just, just would, just kind of dropped in my heart, and so I started kind of following him on social media, you know, and see what's going on, and, um, and I was so encouraged to see what God was using him to do, but he was seeing, see, they've been seeing many uh, miracles and salvation, just a move of God and where he's been preaching, and so I'm excited about it. I think that we, I think it's due time for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I'd encourage you to be a part of that. So I know what time it is, so don't worry. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Maybe, maybe five minutes extra, but uh, we'll be okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just your work. And once again, we pray for the persecuted church around the world. God, this your hand upon your children that have suffered so much. Lord, provision, strength, peace protection. Lord, and let us realize that even in the midst of how much we see going wrong in our own nation, how still blessed we are. And Lord, let us take advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel, to worship you, and to never take it lightly. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I'll I just kind of, we'll kind of just skip along and just not really 
some up last week, but we have started a sermon series called Church and Culture, and I've wanted to do this for some years, and I just really felt this was the right time. And so last week we began with Daniel chapter 1 and talking about Daniel, and just to really kind of uh, lay a little more foundation of where we are, Daniel lived about 600 years before Christ did. And uh, he lived in a time where the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel and they, they pretty much they destroyed um, uh, Jerusalem and the temple. They robbed the temple and, um, and they took uh, a lot of the children of Israel back to Babylon, which is now modern day Iraq. And all of this was happening because the children of Israel were, were not faithful. They were unfaithful in their relationship with the Lord. And they were worshiping false idols. And if you go through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you'll see the, the ups and downs of the nation of Israel of, of faithfulness and unfaithfulness and faithfulness. And, you know, much like what we even see today, I believe. But, you know, this is before the cross. This is before Jesus. And so God brought judgment, and that was going to take place through Babylon. And so Daniel, along with uh, some other men, they were taking in. And so we see Daniel, he's also considered a major prophet. Now, in the Old Testament, we have major prophets and minor prophets, and that doesn't mean that some had a bigger stage or had bigger lights than others. What it means is, is that their books are longer than some other ones. And so if it's a major prophet, the book is longer. If they're a minor prophet, the book is shorter, if you didn't know that, but just kind of give you a little bit of information. And so here we have Daniel, and Daniel's world changed very quickly. And here's what I believe. Scripture doesn't say this, but I can't imagine like Daniel being ungodly and then godly. Some of the things that we read about and are going to read about through what he went through um, in life, and he wrote, his, he wrote this later in life. It was like a reflection back of all that he had been through. Uh, he, ha- he had to be in the right place with the Lord before all this happened. And so many times in life, we get caught up in the bad that happens. I was just reminded as I was thinking about this, I was, I was in third grade. And uh, I, was, uh, I, was a, I was a little cantankerous when I was in elementary school. My, matter of fact, my first day of sixth grade, I walk into a classroom and I walk in and the teacher says, Hey, are you Todd Sarns? I said, Yes, I am. She said, Grab your desk. First, I hadn't done nothing. I was so persecuted. The first day, she said, Grab your desk. I said, I grab it. And, she's, and she drew a circle on the on the chalkboard, and I had to drag my desk up to the front of the class, turn sideways, and have my nose of the circle on the chalkboard. She goes, I've already heard about you. This is your spot. I, so anyway, but third grade, I, for, I got in a little bit of trouble over something, and so I got detention. And so I went, with, and went to the detention class. Detention was during recess. I missed recess, but I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I'm so tired of this. I, I know I'm in third grade, but I need a life change. I can't go like this anymore, and I, 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 really, I, did, I really got tired of it. And so what, one of the things we had to do is we had to handwrite, we had to open up the dictionary and handwrite the, handwrite the dictionary. I, I don't know how to describe it, but we had the dictionary open, and we just had to start writing. That has to be illegal, but we had to do it. And um, I remember sitting there, and the whole class, 
uh, or every, all the detainees, for some reason, the teacher watching detention left the classroom. And so it got chaotic pretty quick. But I was like, I want parole. I am tired of this. And there was a guy sitting right next to me. His name was Jackie Hill. And I said, Jackie, I said, I don't want to get in trouble with all these buffoons, man. I don't remember what I said. But he's like, I don't either. I was like, let's go find a teacher. He's like, okay. And so I, we step out the classroom door. And as soon as we do, another teacher is rounding the corner. And I mean, she comes unglued on us. And we're like, miss, 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 you know, let us, t- no, this, let us t- tell you what's going on. And of course, she was loud enough that the classroom inside heard what was going on. And they, they straightened up pretty quick. And when she poked her head in, they were all little angels. And who was it out in the hallway it was me and Jackie. And so what do we got? We got licks. Anybody remember licks? Anybody in the house remember? We got licks. We didn't, we were trying to tell and we got in trouble. We got licks. And of course, I know that pales in comparison to what Daniel was going through. But I'm going to tell you, we are living in an age. We are living in a time where there is no mistake of what Scripture that is telling us that we are in the last days. And the culture around us is going to do nothing except for an intervention of the Holy Spirit is going to do nothing but going to get worse. And there's a lot that we're as believers are going to get it caught up in the wash because of the sinfulness of our own nation. Are you following me this morning? Now, now I want you to think about something. We're talking about the persecuted church. There are 193 countries, listen to me, 173 of them, the salvation rate is higher than the birth rate. Let me explain what that means. What that means is, and if you look at the picture of the world, even including the 1040 window and and where the church is being persecuted, more people are coming to faith in Christ than what are being born. People being born again, it is higher than those being born naturally. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So what we know is that there are 20 nations where that is not happening, and yeah, you can probably already imagine America is one of them. America is one of the 20 where the birth rate outnumbers a salvation rate. That tells me a lot of what we need to know about our culture. And when we were talking last week about this, this onslaught of culture, I'm going to tell you, you know, one of the things was it will never be easier to live for God than what it is to live right now. The Bible says, choose today whom you will serve. That, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And I, so I'm going to sum all this up really quick, but I had intended on reading the chapter, a whole chapter in Jeremiah, chapter 28. We don't have time. I'm not going to take the time to do that. But I, I want you to write that down in your notes or make note of it. And I, I want you to read Jeremiah chapter 28. Because what is happening in Jeremiah chapter 28 is this is the king. It talks about the, uh, the king of Zedekiah. Zedekiah is, was the next king that followed the king that was taken to Babylon. Are you with me? So that's where it fits in right here. So I can't remember right now off the top of my head what that king's name was. But he was taken to Babylon with Daniel and, and uh, the other three Hebrew children along with much of the nation and the temple goods and, and all that kind of stuff. And so another 
king rose up, Zedekiah. And so a, nation, a, a prophet comes forward by the name of Hananiah. And Hananiah begins to prophesy that, listen, God's going to take care of the Babylonians. And it's only going to be a couple of years. Now, if you know just a little bit about church history, what God's plan for, the Israel, for Israel in captivity was to be 70 years. And so here this prophet comes forward and says, no, 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 no. It's going to be only a couple of years. And, and Jeremiah was like, that's not how I remember it. And so Hananiah takes this thing off Jeremiah's neck and shatters it. I mean, he's being, he's being theatrical now. He's, he's going to get their attention. And he says, this is what God's going to do to Babylon. Well, then Jeremiah goes to the Lord, and the Lord speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, That's, I'm, so this is my vernacular, I'm, I'm giving you the cliff notes. I didn't say that. And so, matter of fact, Jeremiah came back and confronted Hananiah, and matter of fact, God judged Hananiah, and he ended up dying because of his false prophecy. Why do I want to sum that up? Listen to me. We live in a time where there is church culture that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. I'm, I'm going to say that again. There's, you can turn on, and I don't mean all of them. I, I, my, my goal this morning is not to disparage anybody, any preacher, any, any, anybody on TV or what you might hear across town. But I'm going to tell you, we live in a culture where people want to hear what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. I mean, I even read in Philippians, and, I, and, and the reason why I don't disparage other, other ministers is because of Philippians chapter 1. And I'm not going to go into detail and read that verse either. It, it's there in your notes, and you can look it up later. But in Philippians chapter 1, Paul's in prison, and he begins to talk about, I, I, I know that some preach the gospel out of a selfish ambition. He says, I'm not worried about that. Why? Because Christ is being preached. And that's really what I want to focus on. Do I think our eyes need to be open? Do I think we need to be wise? Absolutely. But listen to me. We need the gospel going forward. But it's not always going to be exactly what we want to hear. If you've been in church any amount of time, the old term is ear tickler. Or hireling. And I, I you know, sometimes I wish I did tickle ears better. I, I'm not very good at it. My... I'm, I'm more of a prophet. I'm black and white. And, but I'll tell you what, I'm all, I'll always tell you the truth. And not out of some reason that I get some um, uh, uh, affirmation or joy out of what might be painful. That's not what it's about. It's because I, I love you. Until, see, we, when we look at our culture, listen, this is the next thing, until the church gets it right, our culture can't get it right. You see, what was happening to Daniel and Israel is that they were being judged for being unfaithful. And I didn't write the verse down, but Scripture tells us, let judgment begin in the house of God. What does that mean? We need to make sure we're living what we preach. 
We need to make sure that we're walking the walk. We need to make sure that we're living out what the Scripture tells us of how we should live life. Listen, I know when I look at our political structure and what's going on, I'm going to tell you God is not going to start with a White House. He's going to start with a church house. He's going to start with me. He's going to start with me. He's not going to start with Congress. He's not going to start with the Supreme Court. He's not going to start with your boss. I'm preaching good this morning. Are you with me? I'm trying to put it all in 10 minutes. He's going to start with me. Let it begin with me. Our churches have long been filled with people who claim to be Christ followers but live like pagans, who live like devils. Our lives need to be different than what the culture is around us. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't be sucked into what this culture is trying to sell us. We have to switch our mentality of whether or not, it, see, whether we're going to go to church, have already been to decided. It's time for us to rise up and decide that we're going to be the church in the middle of this culture. And so, I believe, I believe that even though that we will, in reality, suffer from the natural consequences of living in a fallen world, I'm going to tell you, church, we can still be the light, and we can still be the salt, and we can still be the seed on the hill that cannot be hidden. We can still be the people of God, no matter what happens in Hollywood, no matter what happens in Washington, no matter what happens in Austin, no matter what happens at your headquarters of your employment, we can still be the people of God. And so how are we going to do that? I want to tell you, if you're following along in your notes, there is a topple, I think, all the way through. I didn't catch it until too late, so just mark it out, and you grammar people can fix it. <laughs> but the first thing I believe is this, is that we're called to live a life of hope, faith, and power. We are called to live a life of hope, faith, and power. And hope is where it begins. You see, when I look at Daniel and and, uh, uh, and I, I look at his, well, we're going to read some verses in just a moment, but let me, let me just find, I'm trying to see where I can edit and move through. Hope is the combination of, of anticipation of desire or the forward view of the righteous. When, when you have hope about something, if, if you've been around my family at all, you've heard one of two statements very often. The best is yet to come. How many of you have ever heard us say that? We said, oh, the best is yet to come. The best days are ahead. You've heard that say that over and over. Where does that come from? That comes out of hope. Listen, when I look at the facts of reality of what surrounds me, here's what I know. I know what culture looks like around me, but I believe the best days are yet to come. I know what culture looks like around me, but I believe the best days are ahead. Why? Because I believe the last greatest outpouring has not happened yet. I believe there is a revival yet that has not been written about and what my hope and prayer is, is that OFA, Odessa First Assembly, is right in the middle of that, of a, of a portal, the power of God pouring out that flows out into the Permian Basin. Wouldn't that be cool? Are you with me this morning? 
We've always got, no matter what things look around us, and maybe in your own personal life, you may be in the darkest hour that you've ever been. And I want to encourage you this morning, hope again. Hope again. It may, you may feel like it has been worthless. Hope again. You may feel like everybody's turned against you. Hope again. You may feel like it's been pointless. I want you to know this morning, hope again. Hope again. When I look at the story of Daniel, you can't stand the way he stood without hope. I'm reminded of a verse. It's Romans 5. And it's the first five verses. I do want to read that very quickly. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Isn't that, I just, I, it really is not in what I, I just had, I, this powerful verse. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into grace which we stand and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. It doesn't stop there, listen. Not only that, but we rejoice in our, it's so hard to say sometimes, isn't it? Sufferings. Knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Oh, I wish I had time to break this down. See, the thing is, when you are going, you see, when you're going through it, whatever it is, sometimes it lasts forever, it feels like, right? Sometimes it's like, it, that whatever that it is 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 bad. It's 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 terrible. It's dark. It's depressing. It feel you get discouraged. You feel defeated. Whatever that it moment is. But see, God is working something in you greater. He's saying, I'm working endurance in you because when the net it it comes, when the next it comes, you're going to be able to stand. Why? Because you just went through that it. That's what endurance is. Endurance produces character, that strength to stand in the middle of it all, no matter what's taking place. And when you have that strength, what's going to happen? You're going to have hope. You're going to have hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is giving us. The next thing is this. We'll thrive on our culture if we have faith. I know you know the definition of faith. It's now Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things or assurance of things not yet seen, not yet, not seen yet. I know we see that, but I want to pull from Daniel just really quick. Daniel chapter 1, looking at verses 12 through 14. Test your servants for 10 days. So what has happened, we didn't read the whole passage, if we'd have picked up in verse 8, where we needed to this morning, you would have seen that there was this food laid out that um, the king had set out that he wanted Daniel and, and those lacking to eat. And Daniel's like, hey, we don't want to eat and drink that stuff. And, and the, the leader of the eunuchs was like, you got to eat that stuff or the king's going to come after me. And Daniel says, so this is where he picks up, verse 12, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of our youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your, sorting, your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. And so he's telling them, and, and the, the, the key word in there, matter of fact, if you're a, a, a Bible writer, as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, you might want to circle, underline, or asterisk, test. 
Test your servants. Test. Because really what Daniel is doing, he is stepping out in faith. Listen, I, there's a scripture sometimes that I grapple with. I don't have it written down for you. It just came to my mind where the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to be a people of hope, and we have to be a people of faith. We need that faith at work in our life. And I'm going to take the time to do this. I, I preached a six-week series. Some, I mean, I think I, when I first got here, and I remembered it, because I, but I think some of you need to hear this this morning of how progression of faith works in our life. And I'm going to tell you the first thing about faith is you need to dream about something. You need something to catch your heart. You need something to catch your passion. You need something to make, it's something that makes you pound the table, that you get passionate about. It's a dream. It's something that God stirs in you. And, and it, it begins to move you and it, it works in you. But you just don't stop with the first thing being a dream. Then you have to make a decision. Then you have to decide, it's like, okay, I know I have this dream. Listen, there's lots of dreamers, but there's few people that decide to move forward with it. You've got to you do your, when you read Nehemiah, that's what speaks to me so loud in that first part of Nehemiah, is when he was passionate about what the state of Jerusalem was. You got to think, uh, Daniel, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, a lot of these guys, they at some point lived in some of the same time frame together. And Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem being in ruins and he wanted to rebuild the wall. He got passionate, but he was ready. He had done his homework. And when the king said, why are you so downcast, Nehemiah? Well, you know what? Let me, hey, I got my notepad right here. And he was ready. He had made the decision. So when you want to move forward in faith, you catch that dream that also you have to put the steps to your prayers. But I'm going to tell you, once you start walking it out, there will always be a delay. That's number three. There will always be a delay to our dreams. I, and I, there's a reason why God does that, that time lasts before our dream really becomes reality. I think one of those reasons is that God is working trust into you. How are you going to act when it gets tough? How are you going to act when you don't get your way? Amen. Okay, just give me five more minutes. How are you going to act when it seems like everybody else is getting their way, but your dream's not coming to pass? What? See, God's work, what, oh yeah, suffering, character, right? Perseverance, hope, there's always going to be a time lapse. And I'm going to, during that moment, you've got to trust God. And just so you know this, delay is not denial. Just because you dreamed it and you got a delay, it's not God telling you no. It's God saying, not yet. I got some work to do in the side of you. And then we always hit difficulty. That's when the problems really start popping up. That's when it seems like things are really working against you. That's where critics and circumstances fight against your dream. I'm going to say that again. That, maybe you're just soaking that in. I, I don't... That, that's where circumstances, that's where life begins to happen, or people start to happen. And you're like, ah, maybe that was me just dreaming. Maybe that wasn't God that spoke that to me. Maybe, maybe this is never going to happen. 
And then usually what comes is the dead end. And that dead end is that I, I, I believe so many times we see that delay to difficulty to where it's like almost that point of giving up, seeing your back into the corner. What's the point of it anyway? You're overwhelmed. You're ready to give up. But time after time after time, that's when God brings the deliverance. That's when God makes it happen. And I think the reason why that happens so many times is this God letting us know, just so you know, it began with me, it'll end with me. It began with me, it's going to end with me. I'm going to carry you, if you just trust me, I'm going to carry you through all of it. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 7, to inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to reveal in the last time. Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and revelation to Jesus Christ. It doesn't say right there, Jamie Williams. Hello? It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't say right there, Angela Starnes, does it? Who, who gets the glory? See, that we go through that process of faith for God to get all the glory. Another one is this, just, just a reminder very quickly, failure is not final. So we will thrive in our culture when we have power. We will thrive in our culture when we have power. Once again, and Daniel, I want to skip forward. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at this in more in detail, but I wanted to skip ahead just a little bit because in Daniel chapter 2, you begin to read about something. I, I, started, I talked about this some last week too, but you know, there was a point where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he's like, okay, get all the, all the, uh, all the enchanters together. I want to know what this dream means. And so the decree goes that all the enchanters get together and he's like, okay, he's like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to interpret my dream. But here's the deal. I'm not telling you my dream, but you're going, to interpret, you're going to tell me my dream. You're going to interpret my dream. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. And so no, and, and, then, and the enchanters, if you read the passage, chapter 2, they're like, I mean, they're trying, oh, but what about this? What about that? There's like three or four different things they try to talk the king out of it. But then the word gets to Daniel, and then Daniel seeks the face of God. And here we see the result of it in verse 23. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. You've given me wisdom and might. And there's a lot being said right there. You've given me wisdom and might. But I want to remind you about something that it says in the New Testament. In Acts 1-8, Jesus says, before Pentecost happens, he said, but you'll receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. You see, we have been promised a power through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I, you know what? I don't look down. At, listen to me. I don't look down, criticize, judge anybody 
that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I, I, I don't think they're a lesser believer. I don't think they're a lesser Christian. And if you're in the room and, and that's where you fit, listen to me very carefully. You are not a lesser believer. But I'm going to tell you, I couldn't have made it this far without the baptism. I'm talking about me. And I, you know, I, for, for anybody that could do it, I, I got to give you kudos because I can't. I need the empowerment. I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit because of, through the Holy Spirit that I have a, I, I, I'm in touch in a, a you, know, you know, we used to have this old song, Jesus on the Main Line. You remember that song? I'm, I do not have any affection for that song, but it's the only appropriate thing I can think of right now is that I got Jesus on the main line through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that I can pray in a language that the enemy can't understand. And I'm not praying to man, but I pray to God. I pray in a language that strengthens my spirit, that he stirs my soul and empowers me to stand in this culture as a believer. As a believer, being a witness, the last thing is this. Listen, everybody lock eyes with me as the best you can. I know I can't look at everybody right now, but look at me. Here's the last point. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I, I mean, what if Daniel just had thrown his hands in there and said, well, we're captive now, whatever. I'll just, I'll just eat the food. I'll just drink the king's drink. I'll just I'll worship the 90-foot-tall statue. I'll... Uh, what if Daniel had done that? We, we wouldn't have Daniel. We wouldn't have the book of Daniel. Don't give up. If Daniel can do it in that culture that is far worse than ours today, you can do it. You can do it. Don't give up. You can live for God. I know that the secular culture of today wants to tell you that you can't, but friend, you can you can do it if you'll just decide it today, right now, that no matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, no matter what the peers say, no matter what your friends say, no matter the jokes they tell, no matter the gossip that's taken, no matter what's going on around you, don't give up. The Bible says those that endure till the end, they'll be what? Does anybody remember? They'll be what? Saved. They'll be saved. See, the Bible tells us, and you can stand this morning. I went three minutes past my five. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way. I just really want that to seek in. This each. We're afflicted in every way. But not crushed. See, the enemy wants you to think at every difficulty. What's the point? What's the point of carrying on with the dream? What's the point of moving forward? We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're, we, we will go through times of just... I know the enemy is the author of confusion. And just because you go through a season of confusion doesn't mean the devil is having his way. Listen, it is hard sometimes for our mind and our heart and our faith to get on the same page. Do you hear me this morning? Sometimes it's hard for our mind and our heart and our faith to get on the same page. 
and we get perplexed. But listen, we're not driven in despair because deep down, what do we know? Because we trust God, He sovereignly reigns. Number nine, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Oh, just the ministry of your Holy Spirit right now. Just sweep through this place, Lord. Thank you once again for joining us for our podcast. If you want more information about us, just find us on the web at odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us, and I pray that the Lord richly bless you.